0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys in Ties podcast. I am Dustin, as usual, and then Rob is on the phone. Rob, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I saw you last weekend at the Notre Dame game, and we had some plans for some bonus content, but I got... um. Cold and sad, so I, I had to leave early. But uh, how was uh, your time in Charlottesville? How was the rest of the game?
1: Yeah, man, well, it was great to see you. Great to see the whole gang. We had a good little tailgate going. Um, I mean, honestly, kind of a boring game. You know, as soon as those first couple series came through and you kind of realized Virginia was going to struggle to get anything really going on offense, um, you know, it just kind of played out how it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28-3, to I don't think, is really... The, gives the full picture of how much Notre Dame kind of dominated that game. But yeah. we'll get into all that. You know, fun night, nonetheless. Yeah, as much as it would have been fun and great to beat Notre Dame at the time, the number 17 in the country, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much, at least as it comes down to the ACC Coastal Race. So, yeah. lots to talk about. Big game this weekend.
0: Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll get to that game all in due time we are going to also talk basketball and uh how how that's going as well we we won't give anything (laughs) away as to how we feel about basketball right now but before we do get into it all i do want to talk about our sponsors from symbol we have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge on symbol you can trade sports teams like stocks and every time your team wins You earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com. Dot com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. We are also sponsored by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. Get in on the conversations that you listen to on your podcasts every day all you need to do is download the spotify green room app for free in the ios app store create a profile link to twitter and join whatever groups you want go ahead and download spotify green room today uva football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing brie cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. (laughs) That's absurd! So, we've... We just lamented a little bit about you know, the football team losing to Notre Dame. And, and now we're going limit, to limit more about the basketball team. Uh, getting uh, Losing two out of the first three games. The most recent one, a throbbing defeat at the hands of the Houston Cougars. Uh, losing by 20, 67-47. Rob, you know, watching the first three basketball games over this season, how have you felt about this team going forward?
1: You know, that's the great question and the question that everyone's trying to answer right now. And, you know, we're really into the season. And I think, you know, myself included, I think everyone just kind of expects excellence consistently from this UVA basketball team. The reality is, is this team lost six of its top eight scores from last year, and the two scores that did come back among those top eight, Reese Beekman and Kihei Clark, they're not exactly, you know, light you up shooters, light you up scorers or anything like that. Both good players in their own right, but, you know, neither of them is really bringing the scoring punch. So there's a lot that has to get replaced, you know, as far as shooting goes, as far as offensive rhythm goes, you know, the Beekman-Clark backcourt pairing was one that struggled at times last year Mm -hmm. just because, you know, they're both true point guards. Defensively, you know, I think there's great talent and potential still at the guard spots, and I think some of these three-point shooting percentages for the opponents will come down, (laughs) kind of revert back to the mean as the season goes on. But, yeah, I mean, there's real struggles interior. Um, You know, Caden Shedrick and Jaden Gardner, you know, kind of manning that four and five spot they're you know not as natural and fluid as uh post big men defenders as virginia has had in the past so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of moving parts you know obviously virginia is one and two right now strangely enough the last time uva started one and two was the 2012 2013 season Mm -hmm. which was the last season uva did not make the ncaa tournament okay so you know we're kind of doing a little deja vu right now we'll see how it plays itself out um but yeah, there's a lot to work on. There's really no one area where it's like, oh, if they fix this, Virginia's in better shape. There's a lot to work on, and it's going to take some time to do so.
0: But, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, you go for it. That's that's my little like introduction to what we've seen so far. I, mean,
0: I, I was just going to say, you know, the offense has been pretty stagnant, and except against Radford, and Radford is, you know, beating Radford is nothing to write home about, and we we beat Radford by night or you know twenty one. Uh we lose to Houston by twenty lose to Navy by eight and in all of those games there was just there's just times where the offense just doesn't get anything done i mean it, you know look at the navy loss where basically for like almost a ten minute stretch uh from uh, from I'm looking at the stats right now from eight forty five uh in the second half left until 24 seconds left uh we didn't score that's i mean that's crazy that's insane i get against navy a team that didn't really play anyone uh that big and you know navy's not a team that you look at and say like oh they're you know their defense is insane no i mean it's navy like they're they're not a great team navy was also without two of its starting players so that just goes to show you like this team can get really anemic, probably more so than in the past, with how it is with its scoring. And it's uh it's gonna be a long year if we keep going like this and just have trouble scoring. You know, forty seven points against Houston. Um just not a lot there. The the shooting percentages were bad. Franklin had the high high amount of points with with 11 uh, which is a super low amount we only had six assists on the night with 17 turnovers I, I I'm not sure I've ever seen a UVA team in recent years especially under Tony Bennett with a uh, just taking care of the ball that poorly as well as not distributing the ball well at all it, it's been really it's been frustrating to say the least over the first three games.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you say all of that, and I think such a big key to turning this season around, it's going to be, I mean, turning this season around, like, you know, we're three games in, but there's work to do and it's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Virginia is lucky. They're going to face a Coppin state team on Friday uh, that currently is one in five. So Virginia hopefully has a chance to turn and, you know, get a little positive momentum on a Friday night game, much like they did last week against Bradford. Um, but no, I cut myself off. I was going to say, I feel like such a huge key to this season is really getting Armand Franklin going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked so much in the preseason, you know, what was going to be kind of the sophomore leap for Reese Beekman? Uh, you know, can Caden Shedrick make a similar type of sophomore league? Uh, You know, Jaden Gardner, what is he going to do? But, you know, I feel like Armand Franklin was a guy we didn't talk enough about. And mm-hmm. at that court, that features two point guards, neither of whom are great shooters. I think Armand Franklin's going to play a big role. You know, not only shooting, but the ability to get into the paint and score. And, you know, Reese Beekman has a couple successful drives against Houston. Uh, Kihei Clark really didn't have those successful drives against Houston. He was Mm -hmm. blocked a few times. But, you know, having a guy like Jaden Gardner out there, is going to be important because this team lacks shooting right now. And, you know, not only does it lack shooting in its backcourt, but it also lacks shooting in its frontcourt where it had shooting between Jay Huff, Sam Hauser, you know, Trey Murphy, if you want to bump them in there, the past couple of years. So, you know, there's just a lot to figure out right now. Now, I think one thing that, you know, is probably less of a concern right now than it typically is at this stage of the season is the rotation. Because mm-hmm. we knew generally what the rotation was going to be coming into the season because the roster was so small. Now, you know, they're still probably figuring out exactly how they want to play it. But personally, I'm not really expecting any changes in the starting lineup. You know, maybe we'll see more minutes for Cody Statton in here, you know, maybe a little bit for Carson McCorkle there. I mean, I would say the only surprise of the season so far from a personnel standpoint is that Tane Murray, they seem to want to play him more as a blocker than as a mover, which Mm. I find interesting. So anyway, you know, the rotation isn't as big a piece as maybe we thought it might be. But I think maximizing the talent and the chemistry of the guys on the court, you know, especially those that starting five, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge moving forward.
0: And you've, you make a great point, right? Like these guys really haven't played much together at all. Shedrick barely played last year. He was hurt and you know i think sick a lot of the time cody really didn't play a lot last year you know cody got 20 minutes in the game against houston actually looked pretty good at times especially you know with his shooting especially you know he only he only took 5 shots but 3 of 5 2 of 3 from three point range 8 points played some solid defense you know it wasn't great i kind of call him like a He's like an Evan Nolte type where he just kind of knows where to be and he's pretty long and lengthy and athletic. So he can make up for, you know, his other, you know, lack of other things, I guess that what I'm saying is that he's, he knows where to be in the defense, which is probably the most important thing about the pack line is, you know, where to be, how to move, where to, how to get in the passing lanes and all that kind of stuff and so he he can cause disruptions but you know Gardner's new franklin's new we've already discussed about how kihei and reese don't always mesh well together cuz they kind of do the same thing you know and you know just once again you're talking about franklin uh he was he was cold again on on tuesday he was 04 from 3 uh, he did get fouled a lot. He was 5 of 6 from the free throw line and uh, you know, ha- ended up with 11 points, which he was the only person who scored in double figures. So if he's not going, and if, if Reese is going to shoot 0 of 3, and if Kihei is going to shoot 2 of 6 from 3, it's just going to be a long night, and especially against a really athletic team like Houston. That you know Gardner couldn't get anything going. He only had four points on one of four shooting, three turnovers. It it was just it was just tough to watch, frankly. And I think I think the thing it, I think most importantly is gonna take time for this team to really gel together and figure out what they want to do. Right? We saw Carson get seven minutes. You know, uh, a lot of people weren't sure that he was gonna play a lot this season. Kafaro, Poppy, twenty-three minutes, three points on three of six from free throws. He he, he didn't get any uh, field goal attempts because he kept getting fouled. So it's just gonna be interesting how this team ends up gelling and what the what the eventual lineup is gonna look like.
1: Yeah, it's funny with Cafaro. Actually, my brother and I were watching the game, and they showed a stat some at some point in the second half. And it's like Francisco Cafaro, zero uh, points, two fouls. It's just like, yeah, that's that's the night we're having. It's yeah. the second half. Yeah. Um, I guess the question I would pose to you, and one that I admittedly don't have an answer for, is you know how how do you think this team gels? And you know, I say that you know, wondering, do you think this is a team that maybe Franklin gets going a little bit and maybe they find some shooting from McCorkle and they, they find some balance on the outside or is it more so on the inside? Maybe they decide they're really able to lean on Gardner and Shedrick. um, And, you know, just basically play on the low block way more than Virginia teams recent years have. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think personally, it's going to have to be a balance between the two. I don't see an obvious strength in either one of those spots, but I'm curious if you have a thought on, you know, where this team, what this team might look like once it's quote unquote gelled.
0: I mean, it's got to go. I really think it's got to go inside out, and I really, I, really, I think it's got to start with Gardner. I think it's got to start with Shedrick, and you know, if Kefaro can, can like kind of anchor, you know, when whenever there's a big guy that Gardner or Shedrick can't guard, Kafaro's gonna have to play big minutes, right? Like Duke's got um, what's his name, John something john a big guy all muscle and in you know Kafaro's gonna have to play big minutes in those duke games because there's no way gardner can guard him or shedrick is he'll get bullied down there and so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how how he plays in but you know gardner shooting one of four four points three turnovers two rebounds it, it, it's just you know he is an undersized four you know he's You know, as you said, um, Lizette, 6'6", might be 6'5", on a good day uh, in the building. He's big, though, and he can bully people around, but he needs a smaller person on him, and that wasn't going to happen with Houston. Shedrick, too. Shedrick had 10 points against Radford, uh, all on free throws. He had four against Houston, and he had three blocks, but only three rebounds, and, you know, not much else to to say only played 23 minutes i think that when they gel it's gonna come more from those two figuring out their role and gardner figuring out how to play against probably better defenders and bigger defenders than he's used to and shedrick realizing that he's more athletic than anyone else on the court and needs to do you know something to try and get some shots off whether that's a mid range, whether it's taking a baseline, offensive rebounds, really anything to to get this team going. And then they once they're focused on them, kick it out. And that's when Franklin, Beekman, Clark, Cody, McCorkle, even you know, Tane Murray, that's when they have to start knocking down threes because that's how that's how we're gonna win is because we I mean, the guard play right now, a little tough you know, Reese Beekman goes three of nine, Hayes two of nine against Houston. They're just not able to get the shots that they want, especially against bigger teams. So if we can start inside out, I think that's where it really starts. So getting Gardner on board and really getting him moving, getting Shedrick, you know, pumped up and, and game ready. I think that's where the key is. Do you agree or do you think it's more of a guard play?
1: I mean, I think there's more options uh, kind of going inside out, like you said, mm-hmm. Shedrick and Gardner. I would say my concerns there are you touched on both of them. As much as I love Gardner, he is undersized, yeah. you know, six five, six six, whatever you want to peg him at. That's undersized. Yeah. And, you know, 246 pounds, like he's absolutely a bully, but he's going to be going up against people that are, you know, also a bully, you know, with that type of build, mm-hmm. but are you know, several inches to half a foot taller than him. Yeah. So it's, it's just going to be a challenge for him. And, you know, I'm sure it's something he's faced his whole career. And it's no, I know it's something Williford has talked about is just learning to play that way. I mean, Williford was kind of straight up, you know, he didn't get much interest coming out of high school and why he ended up in East Carolina because of his size. Mm-hmm. And the reason teams are, were interested in him in the off season when he transferred was because he showed he could play at that size. So, mm-hmm. You know, I think you just got to hope he figures that out at the ACC level and Shedrick, You know, there's so much potential there and there has been a lot of potential there for some time. Unfortunately, he's battled some injuries and some illnesses, but he's a guy that really does need to take the next step. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's more potential, like you said, to kind of go inside out. Um, it's just a matter of these guys being able to do it. I think it's probably more likely than asking the guards to all of a sudden become good shooters. Um, You know, Reese Beekman and Kihei Clark. Kihei Clark, you know, has a history. He can be good in stretches shooting. Reese Beekman, we've heard he's improved uh, his shooting. We'll see how that plays out. And as our guest on the last episode, Andrew Benvenuto has told me this week, (laughs) shout out Andrew, uh, you know, as good as Armand Franklin was shooting the three last year, you know, he was 42% at Indiana a lot of it was kind of streaky shooting nights. There'd be nights Mm -hmm. where he'd be one for seven and then nights where he'd be four for six, you Mm -hmm. know, it was kind of hot and cold on a game by game basis. So, you know, I'm not really expecting any of that to change. I think we have a large enough sample size in the backcourt at Virginia and elsewhere to have a decent feel. So really the hope I think has got to be, you know, moving, going from the inside out, like you said, Shedrick Gardner and, I'm not expecting points from Kafaro necessarily, but yeah. even just being a better screener, being better defensively, or being mm-hmm. better on the glass—you know, those are the things that he needs to do. He needs to play the Jack Salt role. So, anyway, I think that's where the potent- the greatest potential is, at least.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I also want to point out—you know, this was a lot of people's first true away game uh, since. Since March of 2020, right? So it's been a year and a half. It's been a long time since they've been in front of a lot of fans like in Houston, which and, you know, Houston's got a reputable basketball program now. they just coming off of Final Four. Houston's good. Yeah. Houston's very good. Yeah. And they've got a great coach and they've got a good program. And, you know, there weren't a ton of fans there, but they were making noise and you could tell they were angry at some of the calls that they were getting and you know they they were really in on their team kind of felt like a you know you know it, it's just you know it felt like it, I love it I love having fans back but it I I bet it's tough for especially someone like um you know Reese Beekman, who hasn't really played a lot in front of fans and you know especially Gardner playing in front of you know fans for the first time in a long time since since he's uh since he's been at a new school and, and a bigger school same with Shedrick it's been a while since he's played a lot of minutes probably the most minutes he's ever played and definitely the most minutes he's ever played in a away game in college so I think that over time we got to get used to it you know we're playing basketball again real basketball with fans it's going to take some time the loss against Navy you know I, I at first thought it was kind of fluky you know Navy goes to a zone we've clearly never seen a zone before in their in their life they had didn't know what to do and houston just we were clearly outmatched and houston is a great team they're going to be good all season um it'll be nice to see over the next couple of games what we can do you know we've got coppin state on friday we've got georgia the next monday lehigh the next friday and then iowa the next monday kind of right after thanksgiving so that that stretch i think is gonna be really good we've got some hopefully easy ones in coppin state and lehigh we've got some tougher ones in georgia and iowa um and there's a there's another one in there it's sorry it's not on the espn schedule but we we would play the winner of northwestern and i think it's is it providence
1: uh, that sounds right I'm actually looking at ESPN too. So, yeah. anyway, there, there's going to be an opportunity in there.
0: Yeah. So, so we'll we'll get another game in there. It's just going to be. It. I'm hoping that you know the mix of home, and neutral site, we can kind of get this offense going. I because the defense, I think, is fine, honestly. And we'll we can talk about some individual defensive performances later. I've got some, you know. Maybe some unanswerable questions for you, Rob, that we're going to get into in just a sec. But like, you know, I'm just hoping that I think the off like, you know, we hold Radford to 52 points. That's very doable. Navy scored 66. Houston scored 67. That's a doable amount, right? And last year, no problem. Jay Huff, um, uh, what's his face? Hauser and, you know, Trey Murphy, they can take care of sixty-seven points. This team cannot, so I, I'm not yet, and I'm hoping that they can get there eventually. Um, Rob, do you want to do this question exercise with me that I've just come up with?
1: Yeah, let's do it. You're explaining it to me a bit before uh, we started recording. But, I uh, yeah, feel free to give it another run through before we get
0: started. I started a little bit. What I did is against Navy. I wrote. I was writing down some questions that I had. Um, to bring up with you and we didn't get to it we didn't do a pod last week so we weren't able to ask these questions but I think it's interesting you know through three games I think a lot of these questions still hold some water and actually some of them have been answered so I want to go through and ask them there's one two three four five six <laughs> seven now seven questions and uh, we'll we'll spend a couple minutes on each of them. The first one is Gardner's defense. Even against Navy, I was noticing some times where Gardner was getting, you know, just shot over, um, kind of lost in the not not totally lost, but a little slow moving in the in the pack line defense. How do you think Gardner's defense can affect his playing time I think against Houston it did you know he had some turnovers Houston just had some really tall players Gardner only played um, Gardner only played 24 minutes against Houston which is seems weird for someone who was who's been our leading scorer through the first three games uh, and that includes his four point performance against Houston so what do you think about Gardner's defense uh, can it get better throughout the season
1: I think it certainly can get better, and it will get better. I think it's a very interesting way you pose that question because my initial reaction was that, you know, no, that yeah. his his defense will not necessarily affect his playing time because he provides such a unique skill set. What I would say though is that depending on how Caden Shedrick, um, you know, progresses through the season there could be times where Virginia chooses to go small Mm -hmm. where they play Cody Statman at the four and maybe they put King Shedrick at the five and that leaves Jaden Gardner as the odd man out. Mm -hmm. So my initial reaction is that no, he's probably not going to lose playing time over defense. Uh, You know, at least to our perception, I'm sure Tony Bennett will have his fits about it in his own way, but I think there are scenarios where, you know, some games Jaden Gardner might play 35 minutes and other games he might play 25 minutes. I think that could be matchup based. So that's yeah. my hot take. What do you think?
0: I, I agree. I think Kafaro's is going to steal some minutes. I mean, even Tane Murray, you know, we've seen get some minutes. He's, you know, technically a like should be a three, maybe a stretch four. And you know, he and Gardner are very different players. Uh, Tane Murray and Jane Gardner. Yeah. Super sure. different. Completely opposite, basically. And Tane Murray wants to play outside in. Gardner wants to play inside at all times, not even step outside the paint. And I, I think it's just interesting how, you know, does his defense affect his playing against other teams, you know, like Duke, for example. We keep going back to Duke. Um with uh Paolo Banquero, you know, he's he's gonna play the four against us and do you think gardner is going could be able to guard bancaro i don't think so i think we have to put shedrick on him which means that we probably have to go big against duke or small depending on what who else k is putting in so i i think you know in a game like that gardner might be in for his offense but on defense he's gonna to get toasted so you know what do you do with that do you do you take out shedrick and put in Gafaro? do you, do you put Gardner? Do you put Cody at the three and try and hide Gardner somewhere in the defense? It's an interesting question, and I think it's going to be interesting to see over the next, especially a couple games, uh, heading into through Thanksgiving, how they how they handle him.
1: Yeah, you know when you said that um, with, is it Boncero? I still haven't figured that out. It's
0: Boncero. Apparently, Bankero, okay. Yeah, I was listening to well, the to the broadcast on the first night of basketball, the bank
1: Got it. Well, that's good to know. Um, you read so much about him, but I hadn't heard anyone pronounce his name yet, right. <laughs> honestly. Um, but no, I mean, I would say the immediate thought that comes to mind is, you know, when we played Duke, when they had uh, Brandon Ingram mm-hmm. and it took like, a half, thirty minutes of basketball to finally figure out that Malcolm Brogdon was the best person to guard him. Yeah. So, and you know, that was when we had Anthony Gill. He struggled guarding mm-hmm. him, and you know, went through half the roster. Anyway, I think a lot of that is just going to be matchup based.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree. So I think every game is probably going to be different. So unanswerable question: Will it get better? Probably not. Will he learn the pack line better? Probably. So that's my hope is that. The defense will get better, even though Gardner's defense doesn't get better. His understanding will get better, but he will still be smaller than everyone else. And, you know, will have trouble guarding some taller players at times. Um, let's move on to the next question. How well can Cody shoot this season? I think this is actually a lot bigger than we thought because we've seen Franklin is already a very streaky shooter, right? He's 4 against Houston, Against Navy, you know, his one three that he made at the very end, you know, doesn't even, I don't even count that. He he was one of seven, really should have been O of six. And against Radford, he of course was five of eight from three and seven of 12 from the field. So if Cody can come in and make a couple threes like he did against Houston, he was two of three for three against Houston, shooting 75% on the season. Of course, I think he's only taken four threes. But it, how much does Cody's shooting affect this team and affect, I think, his playing time as well?
1: I think that'll probably be the biggest key to his playing time is his ability to shoot the ball. Now, Cody Statman, as you said, I, I think you're right. I think he's um, – I'm going through stats here. What I do know is that the best sample – basically to get a feel for him is the 2019, 2020 season mm-hmm. where he started eight games. I think he played in 24, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, in that season, he shot 26.9%. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, he actually started 10 games that year, played 24 overall. So he had his opportunities that season to really show himself as a shooter and really didn't quite live up to the billing. Now this year, you know, two years uh, uh, removed from that season. You know, he is three of four so far from three. I don't think any of those really been that contested. But, mm-hmm. you know, other people have missed open shots that we've had as well. So I think that's going to be the biggest key. I think when you look at Cody Statman, he's I think the best way he can help this lineup as as a small ball for, uh, you know, yeah. I just think as playing the three guard just at his height. You know, I just don't see it as much as I do the small ball four, especially considering he's really the only person we have that can play that kind of stretch four spot, Mm -hmm. at least right now. So, yeah, I think his ability to shoot will be very important because if he doesn't show the ability to shoot consistently as the season progresses, you know, there might not be as much of a reason to take Jaden Gardner out of the game.
0: So, That's
1: my take. How do you feel? I think
0: it it goes. I think I think you're right. I think it goes, but also I think it goes back to Gardner's defense, right? Like if Gardner's not playing defense, Tony's always going to prioritize defense over offense, especially like even in the Houston game, right? Like McCorkle, you know, is always ready to fire off some shots, but you know he got seven minutes, so Tony is clearly trying to get the defense right, and I think this is true of every season, right? He wants the defense to get right before he starts tinkering with the offense at all and you know this team you know he's not ready to you know I think let go of the defense yet I don't I don't think he feels I don't feel like the defense is ready yet I don't think he feels like it is I think this could be a very good defensive team but they're still you know finding some gaps I think a lot of it has to do with that you know outrageous three-point shooting that are you know, opponents have been hitting and, you know, hitting banked in threes and last second threes. And, you know, uh, Navy had some wide open shots that they made too. So, you know, credit to Navy and Houston for making all their shots, but that's not sustainable throughout the season. And usually Virginia teams are very, very good at closing out on three, rebounding and, you know, taking the ball up the floor. That's, that's what we're known for. So once he gets that settled, I think then he starts tinkering with, okay, you know, Gardner doesn't fit well here. Let's get Cody in. But I think defense is always his priority. So I think Cody could get minutes even if he's not shooting well. But I think if Cody can shoot well, it takes a lot more pressure off of, you know, Kihei to shoot or Reese to shoot. You know, Reese can do his own thing. Kihei can do his own thing. Maybe if Cody shoots better, we don't have to play Kihei and Reese at the same time. We can play one at a time and kind of switch them off. And, you know, I... I doubt that'll ever happen, once again, because of defense, but it's a hope that we could all have that, you know, eventually we find some shooting on this team.
1: Yeah, and it can only come from one of so many places, and we if live. it comes from Cody Statman, he has the ability to do things as a stretch four, at least, that, you know, Tane Mary or Carson McCorkle, mm-hmm. the other two coming off the bench, do not have,
0: so... Yeah.
1: It would benefit UVA a lot if this three-point shooting. I mean, if he could hover, you know, thirty-five, forty, thirty-five to forty percent, that'd be a big deal for UVA.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Let's move on. My next question was about rebounding against, and this was against Navy. We did not rebound well against Navy. We got out rebounded thirty-five to thirty, and against Radford, we. Uh, out read out rebounded them by two 30 to 32 we got out rebounded by houston 30 to 34 um you know uh, is rebounding a problem this year i so far gardner is our top rebounder at 6.3 per game but kihei was our main rebounder against houston he had six rebounds against houston Like, is rebounding a problem? Usually for Virginia teams, we're pretty good on not allowing offensive rebounding. Is this something that we need to focus on more this season than in the past?
1: Yeah, I think rebounding could be a problem this year. And it's funny you wrote these questions against Navy, because I really started to think that against Houston. Mm -hmm. You know, there were just several instances where you know, Virginia would be in position and they weren't able to secure the ball or maybe they weren't in position at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Houston was able to get kind of that Isaiah Wilkins type tip back to the guards and able to secure the rebound. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think rebounding could be an issue. I think, you know, when I look at this team, I'd love to see Jaden Gardner be a bit stronger of a rebounder, Mm -hmm. but you know, rebounding never really truly only comes from the guards it's really got to come from the big men yeah and you know i think that's an area where so much of it is just fundamentals you know and i say that as like a guy who's terrible at basketball my entire (laughs) life (laughs) but you know we've seen people get better as rebounders under tony bennett you know kyle guy immediately comes to mind for a smaller guy Mm -hmm. he became a very good rebounder Mm -hmm. sam hauser progressed very very well as a rebounder as last year went on right. um became very solid after some early season struggles so it's something that can be learned and I think Gardner will get the hang of it with his physicality um and I think it, there's no reason to think Shedrick should not be able to do the same but yeah I do have a little bit of concerns about rebounding right now
0: yeah and I, I think you bring up a lot of valid concerns Gardner you know we keep bringing up Gardner but I think I think he's really the key to this season I said that at the you know, before the season started is, you know, we need Gardner to really be the a, a really key component of this team. He's here for a year. I don't, does he really have another? He could be here for two. He could if be. If he wanted to,
1: he has a COVID year.
0: That's true. And so anyway, but you know, he's right now our leading, our points leader and our rebounding leader. But I I feel like, you know, and he and he had a double-double against Navy. He had eight rebounds against uh, Radford. You know, can he be a really solid rebounder? And I think we need that. And I think we really need, you know, Shedrick to to step up as well. We need, you know, we've got undersized guards like Reese and Kihei, you know, and for his size, Kihei's a pretty good rebounder, but I think we just need a little bit more, and maybe from Franklin, but to, you know, just stopped the offensive rebounding it was especially a problem against Navy uh, it was very very clear I think I think it got a little bit better but you know just just kind of a weird situation where we're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds to teams that we probably shouldn't we gave up 11 offensive rebounds to Radford we gave up 10 to Navy and 10 to Houston so that's a lot that's a lot of offensive rebounding for for a team for Virginia that is typically known and you know you can hear all the broadcasters Billis you know Billis especially says this but defensive rebounding is like a huge thing for UVA and we don't allow offensive rebounding to happen generally so having all three teams so far be in double digits for offensive rebounds super problematic giving them a lot of extra chances and that's what that's what won Navy the game I think. um, I'm not saying that's what won Houston the game, but it's definitely, you know, definitely didn't hurt and Radford, you know, they got blown out, but they had 11 offensive rebounds and 19 defensive rebounds. They they were very close in that. So, it's kind of embarrassing that we, not embarrassing, but it's it's just I think a problem that we can't get the rebounds that we need to.
1: I mean, certainly could come back to bite us in some games. Again, I think this is something that'll get cleaned up. You know, mm-hmm. I Kind of like defense, you know, Virginia is always, whether they're up to Tony Bennett's standards or not, they're always going to be a pretty good defensive team. And, you know, there's no reason to think Virginia shouldn't always be a pretty good rebounding team either. I think mean, it'll, it'll be something that improves as the season progresses. But, mm. you know, just early season games, you know, if Virginia is in a tight one against Georgia or Iowa or, you know, someone like that, you know, maybe that does come back to bite them a little bit, yeah. um, you know, at least in their, early part of the season.
0: Yeah. All right. Next question. Will we ever defend the three-point shot this season? <laughs> and this was against Navy. It's it clearly against Houston we did not defend that well. Uh against Radford, you know, they only sh- they shot 6 of 20 from three, so I I don't know if Radford's any good at shooting the three, but you know, clearly this has been a problem in our two losses this season shooting uh you know navy shot 11 of 21 it's 52.4 percent houston shot 11 of 20 55 percent uh we we just can't win if we let teams shoot over us like that you know we're a team that likes to guard the three really tough we want to make you make tough mid-range shots kind of get you trapped in the middle uh, steel passes but they've been making all their threes so how does this affect our defense is it you know i i, I think this is something that that can be corrected do you do you think that this is hopefully going to go back to you know back to the norm or or is this going to be a problem all season
1: yeah large law of large numbers it- it's all going to regress back to the mean and in virginia's case i think they'll get back on track uh, well above the mean as well it's funny speaking of andrew i was actually giving him a hard time this week because he had told (laughs) us on our podcast virginia's three-point defense was going to be elite, and currently (laughs) virginia is 343rd out of 358 teams in college basketball three-point defense um wait hold on wait wait, before
0: before you move on who is worse than us at three point defense, so
1: I, I'm just reading the tweet. I, oh, the I do tweet. not have the stat in front of me. Okay. But uh,
0: hold on. Yeah, <laughs> I can
1: look into that. Give Give me a few minutes here, and I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Virginia is allowing 45.9 percent uh from three for their oh my opponents. God. So So it, it's rough. But listen, you know, it's all it's all going to come back to the me mean. I mm. I don't see any reason why Virginia shouldn't be much better in this category. Uh, and you know, I understand that maybe they even haven't been playing the best shooting teams in the world but you know i think at the end of the day you just kind of have to trust numbers trust trends and also trust the talent that's on this team too you know kihei clark reese peak and even to an extent armand franklin are good perimeter defenders Mm -hmm. um i'm not not concerned about this moving forward
0: yeah no okay that's a that's a nice way of thinking about it you know just you, you you're a numbers guy I, I'm an emotions guy. I feel like <laughs> I feel like it will never go back down, but you know, ho- hopefully it will. I think you're right. Okay, let's move on. Um, this was an interesting question, and I I was thinking this during Navy. I think I've have my answer, but um, best defender on the team right now is it Reese or is it Caden? Uh,
1: Reese, friend. Yeah, uh, not a second thought there. What do yeah. you think?
0: No, I I agree. It's Reese all the way. Uh, what Reese has shown us over the past two games have has been nothing short of incredible for what he can do on the ball he's leading the team with 3.7 steals per game uh he only had one and he only had one against houston so he he is doing really well on ball defense he's deflecting passes uh he's taking it down the court himself he he can do it all he I, i think he can guard probably one through three I think he would have a tough time guarding a, a four a four spot or a five, but you know he because he's not as tall or as big as Malcolm was. So Malcolm could truly guard one through five, I think. But you know Reese Beekman, incredible defender. Uh, probably the best hands I've seen out of anyone on a, on a UVA team ever.
1: Yeah, I mean I think he has the potential to go down as really an elite UVA defender. Yeah. Uh, doesn't quite have the size as Brogdon, mm-hmm. so. Like you said, he probably won't be able to slide down and guard a Brandon Ingram type. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think he's a very, very elite defender. Uh, Real quick, going back to the stat we just talked about before. Okay. As we know, there's so many college basketball games going on at any given time. The stat has actually shifted uh, three-point defense, um, not in Virginia's favor. (laughs) Currently, Virginia sits at number 346 out of 350 teams um, in three-point defense. The teams below them are St. Joseph's, Delaware, Mississippi Valley, and Farley Dickinson. And final fun stat of the night, the team that actually leads the country in three-point defense currently is the Virginia Tech Hokies.
0: Oh, gosh. Oh, that's awful. You didn't have to tell me that. (laughs) That just makes everything much worse. (laughs) It's rough, man. That's terrible. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyway... Reese Beekman could we could use some three point defense from Reese Beekman. Um, I think he's been fine. I think he's been fantastic so far on ball. I agree. Caden, Caden is also great. Caden can guard. I think Caden can actually guard more people. I think he can guard two through five probably, like really effectively. And you know he can block the block any ball in the building. Um, I think Reese is more versatile though in the way that he can deflect passes and and move his feet. He just doesn't let anyone in front of him
1: yeah no i I agree
0: with that take yep um i i want to preface the next question by saying that i answered it already um during the navy game so i think during the navy game kihei made two threes in a row and i wrote down is kihei automatic from three and and i immediately answered no in all caps (laughs) two caps for no um You know, he's, what is he shooting? He's shooting 31.3% from three this season, 100% from free throws so far, 30.8% from field goals. Uh, That Houston game really, really did him dirty. You know, he's, you know, just against teams that have good shot blocking ability, it's just tough for him to get shots up in the paint.
1: Yeah, I mean, he struggles against size, and we've known this. Um, And it just kind of is part of his game. So, no, I don't think Kihei is automatic <laughs>
0: no i agree I but, think that was uh, a silly silly question
1: we'll see i will say i'm hopeful he can get his three-point shot percentage up a little bit mm-hmm. um you know i think i love you know i going back and forth as i say this i'd love for him to approach 40 percent um you know i don't think that'll really happen um but at the same time you know i think if he's in that 35 to 40 percent range mm-hmm. i think that'll
0: help virginia a lot i agree i agree right now at 30 you know it's not quite enough and the volume's not there either and especially you know if he if he can start shooting well uh people will have to guard him a little bit farther out creates more room for him to distribute or you know get to the basket um just makes the whole whole team a lot better so i hope i hope he can get it up uh and you know we'll we'll see how it goes over the course of the season you know hopefully he gets better and more comfortable for but from what we've seen you know 30% 30 percent's pretty much where he's been at, you know, all all three years in the past. So, you know, this is pretty standard for Kihei so far. So we'll see if it gets any better over the season. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully it does. And if not, you know, it's just kind of where we've been. And that's all the questions I've had for basketball. Rob, any last thoughts on basketball? Anything we didn't cover?
1: No, actually, I think we did a pretty good job covering everything. I think so, too. Um, yeah, no nothing nothing that I have to add. I think just the continuation, continuous development of the starting five and their ability to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what I'm looking for for the next call. It couple games at least, at yeah. least until we record next.
0: Yeah, I agree, totally agree. Uh, next. We're going to talk about football, but before we do that, I do want to talk about our sponsors from Symbol. Symbol is the sport stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, Just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Go ahead and download Symbol. Visit Symbol today. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. We're also sponsored by Spotify green room spotify green room is a live audio only sports talking platform it is free to download and free to use. you can talk to other fans athletes and insiders in real time it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news go ahead and download spotify green room app for free in the ios app store all you need to do is create a profile link your twitter and join whatever groups you want go ahead and download spotify green room today
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: So let's go ahead and talk some football. We talk talk for basketball for 45 minutes, so that's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Pretty standard for us, but let's go ahead and knock this football out. And Rob, we've got a big game coming up against Pitt at Pitt on Saturday. What time is the game at? 3.30. Is it on ACC Network?
1: It is on... Uh, God, I don't know the question of that, actually. I think it's oh. on ESPN, ESPN2. ESPN2.
0: Oh, that's pretty good.
1: No, I mean, we forget, you know, in the midst of this Brennan Armstrong injury and kind of the previous two losses, but this is actually a really, really big game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. You know, you know, we technically control our destiny in the Coastal Division. We beat Pitt and Virginia Tech, we're in. Actually, I think if we beat Pitt, we would and no, we would have to beat Pitt and Virginia Tech to to win the Coastal. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's a that's a big thing, right? And so that was kind of this team's goal for the whole season. I think that was kind of the message that came out of the Notre Dame loss is like, hey, you know, our goal right now is to win the Coastal, win the ACC. Do you think that's possible right now? Like, just based on what you've seen so far from this team?
1: I mean, it's possible. Um, It's just so hard right now not knowing whether or not Brennan Armstrong will play. And if he does play, you know, at what percentage will he be? You know, wouldn't expect it to be a hundred percent. And honestly, I really wouldn't expect any design runs uh for him and the game plan either. But, you know, certainly having him uh, available to play would be huge. But yeah, I mean it's hard to really say, um, you know, with that so much up in the air. I think Pittsburgh is a team that, you know, really was flying high. Um I've kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They lose to Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, They get kind of, you know, they played well against UNC at times, although they did kind of get lucky in overtime as far as when the rain started to come. Mm -hmm. So they were were able to beat UNC in overtime last weekend. Um, But Pittsburgh's offense is really good, man. I mean, you know, as much as I may hate to not Kenny Pickett, I mean, Mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett's numbers are really amazing this season. You know, he's thrown for 3,517 yards, completing 67.5% of his passes, 32 touchdowns to four interceptions. I mean, the Pitt offense as a whole is second in the country in total offense. Virginia Mm -hmm. is number five, but Pitt is number two. So, I mean, Pitt's a really good team. At Heinz Field, you know, Virginia was able to win in 2019, really over two years ago. That was the season opener for that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there's there's a blueprint to kind of getting things done there, but yeah, man. I mean, Virginia Tech with the interim coach, you know, that game is always tough, but maybe a bit more winnable now than it was with fuente still there. But mm-hmm. yeah, man. I mean, pit's a tough challenge without question. I think it's possible, but I think it's 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 going to be difficult. That's probably yeah. the best way to put it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. And we really haven't heard anything about Armstrong yet, have we? I mean, is the do you think that the coaching staff is going to keep this a secret until you know an hour before kickoff when you know when they when we see that you know kind of like on Saturday when we were tailgating and then we get all these pictures <laughs> of all the quarterbacks except for Brennan on the field and we're like, well, crap, he's definitely he's either not playing or he's getting like shot up with as many pain meds as they're allowed to give a living human so and and, you know clearly he didn't play but you know it's been you know just crazy how how you know they kept it silent for so long and a lot of people thought he would play just because we were on abc and you know there was rumors about leakage to abc and espn about like oh he's gonna play But, you know, clearly he didn't, and clearly they were trying to save him and get him ready for Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech the week after. Uh, If Armstrong doesn't play, what are our chances? Because we didn't look great against Notre Dame. Clearly the offense is not the same with Wolfolk. Not to knock Wolfolk at all, you know, it's tough to come in as a freshman. First start against a top-10 team on national television that's just tough and you know he didn't look terrible uh two picks and you know no touchdowns but it it was a it was a tough night for for the offense now if Brennan doesn't play again does it look any different than that
1: yeah I mean a couple of points to make in answering that question I would say one as you kind of said you know I'm not gonna knock Jay Wolfolk at all you know I Mm -hmm. think I think he struggled a little bit, but who wouldn't, you know, your first career started as a true freshman against a top 10 team. And, you know, I think my biggest takeaway for him is that the moment really didn't look too big for him. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he struggled. Yeah. He was processing things slower, but we've seen a lot of UVA quarterbacks, you know, over our lifetime, um, you know, marching out on the field and you can kind of get a feel for, you know, who, who seems like, they kind of have happy feet who just doesn't look comfortable back there and who does. And I think Jay Woolfolk certainly did. And, you know, I'm excited about his future at UVA. Mm-hmm. Um, the next point though, I was going to say is that it's kind of interesting that they really didn't adjust the offense at all for Jay Wolfolk. It was almost like they were just hoping Jay Woolfolk could run the same offense for two weeks in practice. And then Brennan Armstrong would be good to go in the game and he just come in and go. And, you know, They really didn't do that. I mean, Wolfolk threw for 33 attempts, you know, which is fewer than Brendan Armstrong has done before, admittedly. But a lot of them were just shotgun snaps. You know, he's the only person in the backfield. Instead of really designing a game plan that emphasized the run, and it didn't even have to be the traditional ground game, but if they Mm -hmm. wanted to run Keaton Thompson more, run uh, Wolfolk more, for that matter, you know, it just didn't really seem like the game plan was tilted um, in his favor yeah. so anyway you know it's it's gonna look different I think this week you know I would whether it's Woolfolk or Armstrong my guess is that they try to go to the ground game a bit more you know another interesting thing here is that Woolfolk took uh, seven sacks I believe against Notre Dame Pittsburgh is actually number three in the country in sacks they averaged 3.6 sacks per game mm-hmm. 36 total on the season so that's something to keep an eye out for so yeah, I mean Virginia, there's a path I think to winning. I think it involves a much more balanced offense. Um, but yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna have to look probably a little bit different than it did against Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know I just it, Notre Dame and you know for Jay Wolf like once again props to him for for stepping in and doing as much as he could against a top ten team, and not just a top ten team a Notre Dame who is a team that is just historically, you know, when you think of college football, you know, Alabama, not this year, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame's always up there with all those teams, USC. But Notre Dame is a historically one of the best college football programs ever. And to start a game against Notre Dame has to be, you know, one of the toughest things you could probably do in, in a game as well as you know come in in the fourth quarter against BYU uh, a mile up uh, from from sea level so you know a tough two first games for Folk, but you know against Pitt I think it also really just comes down to our defense and how does our defense respond to to you know the thrashing that they took against BYU and just kind of i mean they did fine against notre dame i really feel like notre dame kind of called the dogs off after the first half they were just kind of like okay we'll just we'll just take our 28 points and and go
1: yeah i mean there's no question they took their foot off the pedal um and you know like even at the end when they were trying to score on the goal line you know i think they were like the five or ten yard line they fumbled the ball and that helped uva so yeah i mean this This game could have easily been a much bigger blowout, you know, 28 to three. They could have easily scored at least two more touchdowns, I think safely. And I mean, then you're talking 42 to three and that's all of a sudden doesn't look nearly as good on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, listen, I mean, I think UVA defense has again, they've, they've made incremental strides throughout the season, but it's been small and it's been slow. And I think the biggest struggle I see, you know, I felt for the most part, the gap integrity has gotten a lot better as the season has progressed, but you know, against Notre Dame, there were just so many missed tackles. Wow. Now you can blame that maybe on physicality that Notre Dame just has athletes that UVA doesn't. And you know, that's probably part of the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another part of the case is that these guys are still learning this defense. And when you're thinking more than you should be, you're going to play slower. And it probably means you're just not bringing that same level of intensity to the tackle. Um, you know, you can dissect this all you want. the bottom line is that, you know, if UVA wants to beat Pittsburgh, it kind of has to continue the strides it's made schematically, but it really just has to improve in tackling. And I think they can do that. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that can't really be taught. You know, you can teach angles, but at the end of the day, your guy just has to bring them to the ground. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my hope is that that'll improve. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's a big part of the defense, you know, that maybe so many other things were going wrong earlier in the season that we just kind of glossed over that part. But yeah. against Notre Dame, the tackling was really showed.
0: hmm Yeah, and you know, the same thing for for the uh you know game against uh, BYU as well. The tackling went oh, yeah. awful. Oh yeah. And we we just were not great at tackling so if we can't tackle like that against against Pitt it's gonna be a a long night I I'm afraid
1: yeah I mean one more thing on the defense is you know it's it was kind of like this last year in the secondary and this year it's kind of been like this both in the secondary and at linebacker Mm -hmm. it's just there's not really a set rotation and there's not really guys that have really distinguished themselves and, you know, said that I'm the guy, you cannot take me off the field. Mm -hmm. Now at linebacker, that's Nick Jackson and Noah Taylor to an extent. I understand he's kind of battling some injuries, but that third linebacker spot, I mean, it started a year as Elliot Brown and then it was Hunter Stewart for a bit. Then we've seen Josh Ahern. We've seen Wes Weeks, you know, they're just rotating so many people in at linebacker, you know, even Mike Green, and Deshaun Perry. And then in the secondary, you know, the corners have remained relatively consistent, you know, especially Anthony Johnson at one corner spot. Uh, Joey Blunt is kind of locking down that middle safety role. But the other two safeties have rotated a lot. Um, Unfortunately, Devontae Cross's UVA career is over. He had a season-ending injury, Mm -hmm. but he had played those safety spots. I mean, Cohen King had played there, Uh, Antonio Clary, Jonas Sanker, like, they're just rotating so many guys and it's the same thing they did last year in the secondary, especially at safety. They just kept rotating so many guys, which just tells me this team is still kind of searching for itself. And, you know, we're almost, you know, we're coming up on the 11th game of the season, you know, almost through the season and they just really haven't found a rhythm there. So um, anyway, I figured I'd point that out just because this defense is still very much in transition and i think it's in transition from the coaches understanding the scheme and how the personnel can execute it and also just from the standpoint that you know the personnel is just they're just they just haven't had consistency yet yeah. i guess that's the best way to put it
0: yeah and you know i i'm hopeful that that we can you know, find you know i don't know why i'm thinking it's gonna happen against pit but if there's any time in the season to get it done it's now, and you know we just really got to make sure that that we do the best that we can because you know Pitt's got a great offense, we've got a great offense with Brennan Armstrong. We do not have a great offense when Brennan is not part of the equation, and so if we're we have any chance to win this game, our defense has to step up, and the defense has to do something to try and you know get this done
1: yeah i mean that's going to be a big part of it and you know like you said both sides whether or not the offense is you know able to take that next step whether or not britain plays or not or and on the defense and i think it's interesting and honestly almost unfair to the offense mm-hmm. um, you know there's been a lot of stories out this week and but the coaches have been telling the offensive players, like, hey, listen, without Brennan Armstrong, you need to be better, you need to do more, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is, is that they've designed this offense around a really, really good quarterback. But Brennan Armstrong was just asked to do so much. And like, I almost feel like it's unfair, maybe in these articles, like, you know, not to call out coaches or anything, that they're doing anything wrong, but like. Hagan's telling the receivers they need to be better and do more. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well Dontavian Wakes has been amazing this year. Like Rashawn Henry has been good. You know, Billy Kemp, uh, Keaton Thompson, like all these guys have been amazing. And then like the thought that like the offensive line needs to be better. And yeah, you know, you can't give up seven sacks, but a lot of those were on the quarterback just taking a bit too long processing. So, you know, the whole the whole equation just gets kind of thrown off and it's more so the case when you're just asking your quarterback, Brennan Armstrong to do so much and he certainly can. And, you know, I don't necessarily like have any like complaints or anything with the fact that that was how the offense was designed, but Mm -hmm. it's the risk you run, you know, when you put so much on one player, even a player as great as Brennan Armstrong has proven to be, you know, there's a risk there that when he's not in the game or he's not able to go, you know, That that's kind of what happens, and you also are just putting him at an increased injury risk when you ask him to do so much. Um, So anyway, there's there's so many sides to that, Um, but yeah, you know, I think I think the Virginia offense they're gonna have to find a way to do something more. And Mm -hmm. you know, I I, if Jay Wolfolk is playing, I would expect changes. Like I said, I would expect more ground game one way or another. I'd expect shorter passes you know, maybe he's not dropping back and reading the entire field. Maybe he's just has a quick route over the middle or a quick out route, you know, kind of like we saw with Bryce Perkins earlier in his career. We'll see how it plays out, but I think it's a good point you made. There's just so many different sides to this now without Brennan Armstrong, potentially
0: without Brennan Armstrong. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's tough to, I would really hate his season to to end like this where, He's had such a great season, but the the season will be remembered for, you know, not being able to finish it, or you know, you know, having the coastal in our grasp, but not being able to to get past you past, know, you know pit and just just having the the uh, th- what could have been, and just all of that. So it, it's been. It, I think if Brennan doesn't play and we lose to Pit. I think it's gonna be more of a like a what if situation, and yeah, I I feel bad for Brennan because he he's done so well this season and honestly should be getting more more attention for I think the Heisman than he is. But of course, missing the game, getting hurt against BYU and not not being able to win that game and and having a defense that's unable to 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 stop anything is is just really. It's it's been unfortunate, so I I'm hopeful that he can come back and we can win the coastal. But if he doesn't come back this week, I'm afraid that I'm afraid of what happens uh, at Pitt if he doesn't come back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I echo the, the same sentiments you have there. Um, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like if this if this was if everyone was healthy and everyone, I guess, really just. Brennan Armstrong, although I hope Billy Kemp is also able to play. He mm-hmm. left Notre Dame with what appeared to be a knee injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, ESPN would be all over this, man. Like, uh, coastal clash, you know, whoever wins basically, if Pitt wins, they lock up the coastal. If Virginia wins, then they have to beat Virginia Tech. But major coastal implications. Two of the best offenses in the country, two of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, I mean, it's just a shame that this late-season matchup is kind of marred by this Brennan Armstrong injury. Yeah. And, you know, it, it it is the way it is. You know, there's only so much you can do about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this... As we kind of said at the beginning, like, you almost, like, forget how significant this game is because this is a huge game. Like, this is... I saw a thread on Twitter, like, is this the second biggest game of the bronco Mindenhall era? at uva like second biggest acc game potentially i would say the virginia tech 2019 game is a no-brainer for one but yeah i mean this has the potential to be a really really big game for uva it's just a shame that the entry is clouding all of that
0: yeah yeah it's been tough so so you know we've got we've got pit on saturday we've got tech the next saturday after thanksgiving and that's going to be that's gonna be our season we'll be invited to a bowl game we've got six wins which is great and you know rob maybe one word to describe how you're feeling about the rest of the season before we wrap it up
1: it's a good one um i don't know wary maybe mm-hmm. you know i is again like virginia was six and two six and three going into the bye um Yeah, I mean, it'd be a shame if Virginia slips and, you know, if they finish the season six and six, so be it. Uh, I mean, heck, I'd love to beat Tech. I'd love to beat Pittsburgh, but I feel like there's a big difference between eight and four and then seven and five and then six and six. You know, eight and four is like everything goes great. You know, seven and five is, hey, we had a winning season and that seventh win, probably a better chance it comes against Tech than Pittsburgh. So, you know, beating Tech would be great. Finish with the winning season, okay. Six and six just doesn't have as exciting a feel to it. So, anyway, I don't want to define the season necessarily in the next two games, but it, these are probably the two biggest games of the season coming up. So, uh, I'm just hopeful Virginia is able to find an answer, and that answer is probably just going to have to be Brennan Armstrong, whether mm-hmm. or not he can go. So, anyway, I think... I guess we'll see how these next few games play
0: out. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. So, you know, this has been a long pod, a lot of it on basketball, some on football, not all of it. Great. We have some hopefulness though. So not all hope is lost. Basketball can't, there is a long season left in basketball and football. It's almost over, but uh tech fired their coach, which is hilarious. And I think it's just really funny. They did it after a win as well i i wonder what the stats are about coaches being fired in the middle of a season after a loss or after a win and i bet it's not in favor of the coaches who win a game and then get fired
1: <laughs> yeah i i don't think so <laughs> um yeah no i mean i'm in roanoke so tech country Uh yeah. yeah it's been interesting to hear a lot of the takes that have come out um Yeah, I mean, it's from Virginia Tech's standpoint, it's a shame it didn't work out with Fuente. You know, he seemed like the home run hire. Mm -hmm. You remember he was hired the same cycle as Bronco Mendenhall. And, you know, the Mendenhall hire was kind of glossed over while the Fuente hire was considered the home run. And, you know, they actually had very similar win-loss records, although, you know, there's kind of different circumstances around each of those. Um, But, yeah, no, it's interesting how it all played out. I'm very curious to see what type of coach Virginia Tech gets. Personally, I feel like, you know, they don't pay their assistance as much as most other schools do. Uh, you know, now you're six years uh, removed from the Frank Beamer allure. Mm-hmm. So maybe that plays a role in, in not being as high profile a job. Anyway, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it is kind of interesting to hear all these things that are coming out now
0: so i hope that makes the game on after thanksgiving easier my guess is that it won't matter at all and that <laughs> it will probably be really close and we will probably lose because that's what we always do and it'll just be normal life all over again and uh, we get to hear about it for the rest of the year as well as having tech have a better basketball team than us for the rest of the year too, so that's gonna be a fun year in any case um i hope that y'all have enjoyed listening to us rant for about an hour and 10 minutes or so appreciate everyone listening this is the guys and ties podcast make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod go ahead and follow us on snapchat and instagram at guys and ties pod for any bonus content that we promise but don't always deliver on and you can follow us on instagram and i uh sorry spotify and itunes if you like what you hear And we will see you guys next time. Go who's? Go who's.